0: You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season two, episode 27, E and Half Extended. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow the socials Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook, or email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, we got breaking news. Why don't you uh, give it to everybody? Something we talked a little bit about in episode number 26.
1: Yeah, this one was an absolute stunner. Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation scoops the big dog, scoops Rosenthal, scoops them all, (laughs) gets to report. The first thing he said is that the Cubs and Ian Happ are making progress. And literally 10 minutes later, Ian Happ is $61 million richer on a three-year extension. So the deal will run from 2024 to 2026 So you're talking about $20 million a year for the next three years. So you will see Ian Happ, he of the Roasters Coffee and all that stuff for the next four seasons in left field.
0: Yeah. um, My first initial reaction is great. Good for the Cubs. Good for Ian Happ. I think it's a um, intelligent spending type of a contract, if you will. I think it's good for um, both sides. Uh, 20 million a year seems a little bit like a lot, but if he has a good season, which I know everybody listening and you and I hope he does, he would be probably the second best outfield prospect available on the free agent market in the season.
1: No doubt. He he would be the second best free agent on the, on the outfield market. And so, you know, they went for the sure thing and it's not going to cost them a ton, especially with the money they have coming off the books. Um, I was shocked because if you remember, uh, prior to the season, Nico got his extension, Ian did not, and and Jed kind of made that big deal earlier about not doing negotiations once the season starts and actually not wanting to do them even right before spring training ends. And so I remember when we talked on the episode uh, right before opening day with Nico getting his extension, you know, Ian Happ was, you know, kind of just sounding very, didn't sound like a guy that was about to get it done. A deal done. You know, he sounded more like a guy that was, I'm just going to enjoy every moment of it. And that's it. Right. So he
0: sounded like a guy who thought the writing was on the wall or he's an incredible poker player, if anything. Right.
1: Yeah. And not only that, you know, he's a union rep. Okay. And so I'm, I'm a union guy, big union guy, and he's a union rep. And, and you're surprised because you're right there at free agency. You have, it, you know, you're, you're, you're nine months away from free right. agency. He's and a two foot, two foot putt. And not only that, like like you said earlier, you know you got Shohei Ohtani and then everybody else, and no one's even close to Ian Happ. Like no one's close to Ohtani, but Ian Happ is is another guy that was far away above what's going to be out there in the free agent market. So, you know, he he looked to stand and make some big money, but uh, you know he took the sure sure thing. Trust me, sixty million dollars makes any one of us happy. Right. Uh, we'll, we would take half that, right? We would even take a quarter of that, but. You know, now all of a sudden, the, the question and, and the thing that surprised me that we have been talking about for a very long time is the question about the prospects. Um, with the prospects that you have down there, like most of your top prospects are all outfielders. Brennan Davis, Pico Armstrong, Alexander Canario, Owen Casey. Those are all guys with a bunch of other periphery guys that you never know if one of them is going to break out or nothing. But now all of a sudden – you know, you can argue maybe there's one spot, maybe two spots, if you want to kind of start playing around with the DH. But, you know, if you're uh, Brennan Davis or if you're PCA or you're any one of those guys, you're, you're the chance of you making it to the majors with the Cubs just got a little bit more difficult.
0: Right. I would imagine that one of those two guys that you just named, Crowley, are the key players piece in a trade for a really front of the line pitcher if the Cubs think they're in a position to actually do something
1: yeah that you know that's what you have prospects for is number one they're cheap and so you can put them in your your lineup and they, they produce and you have them under your control so you don't have to worry about salary or the other thing you want to do with them is use them as trade chips so maybe Absolutely. that's the direction that, uh, that that Jeds going to go We're gonna see the competition just got really interesting so you know good for Ian. Good day for you know for for Cub fans you know who wanted some continuity who want you know who got tired of watching all their favorite guys leave, well you got one that's going to be around for a while and and so you 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 have the real beginnings of a new core with Ian Happ, and Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson. Swanson right yeah Jameson
0: Tye on so. Suzuki they're all on the same they're all on the same time frame now so. As we're uh, recording this, Crowley, the Cubs just wrapped up the three-game series with the Mariners. Let's uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about game number one. Which uh, did you attend game one? I believe I is did attend right?
1: game one. Yes, that is correct. So that was the first night game of the season. Beautiful weather, huh, Dustin? What a beautiful night to be at Wrigley Field. Wow. Yep and it was the first time that the cubs were able to use their brand new led lights that were installed in the off season and i gotta tell you as as somebody that's gone to many many a night games it truly was amazing to see the difference
0: so really a a truly a difference yes
1: yes it it was imagine like if you went to like a play right or a musical it seems like the grandstand was darker but the field was so much brighter so from from that standpoint and so it, it was a really, especially I, so. I got to see it in person on Monday, and I watched it on Tuesday. And and and, you know, with all this new high def TV and stuff, I think it just made for an amazing picture.
0: Yeah, it looked really cool. And then, if, as we talk about the game, what happens when they win a game? What they do with the lights was pretty cool. I don't know if you heard the the caller on the Mullion Haw show. I believe it was on Tuesday that had had right. It had he had had a couple beers, a Long Island, and maybe a shot. And the uh, lights didn't look much different to him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did I think hear about he the called right, I think I did. He, right
0: before you I me. think he called right before you. Yeah, yep, that's
1: what yep. it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I noticed a difference right away. I thought it was really cool. And so Drew Smiley was on the bump, hoping to shake off his last start. Pitched well. He went five innings, gave up only one run. Didn't give up a hit until the fourth inning. But then that looked like it was going to be a disaster. With one out, Ty France doubled. Eugenio Suarez walked, and Teoscar Hernandez hit a single, and the bases were loaded with one out. Tommy Hottaby came out for a quick chat, and the next batter, A.J. Pollock, hit a sat fly, giving the Mariners an early one nothing lead. But Smiley got Sam Haggerty to fly out to end the threat and limit the damage to one run. And I think, Dustin, I know Pat Hughes always brings this up. Getting out of that jam, kind of you know giving up just one run, seemed to shift momentum the Cubs' way.
0: No doubt about it.
1: Ian Happ let off the inning with a walk. He stole second, then ended up on third on an error on the throw by the catcher. Cody Bellinger will double to tie the game at one. Trey Mancini single to put runners at the corners and will come around to score on an Eric Hosmer single to give the Cubs a two-to-one lead. Unfortunately, a Patrick Wisdom strikeout and Jan Gomes double play ended the threat. I don't know. I wanted your opinion on this. Adbert Alzheimer replaced Smiley in the sixth and was very efficient, getting four quick outs before being replaced by Mark Leiter. I thought Elzelay was cruising. I know they worry about his righty-lefty splits, but I don't know. I, I, I was a little bit hesitant about the move. I thought, I
0: thought about that. I thought about that as well. I also find it interesting that they're not um, just solely using advert in certain innings. Um, right. Almost felt kind of a, a high leverage important moment, and they went to him. Right. Right. And, right. and, and then later on in this series, they're going to go to him in another big moment, but that was in the eighth inning. And so right. I like the fact that he's not just penciled in where he is a clean seventh inning guy with a lead kind of thing. Um, but I tell you, and I you you thought the last time Smiley was in that it was okay to leave him in. I wanted him out a little sooner, and so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna double guess this. It's going to right. end up working out for the Cubs, so I, I'm not going to double-guess it. But I understand. I do understand where you're coming from. I think I think Smiley had a couple
1: more outs in him. I think my concern with Al's lie is he was just cruising, and so I just wanted to let him keep going because that way you don't have to keep burning through bullpen, guys, and you're, you're going to see how right. that's going to come and back. We're going to, to find out. You. We're going to yeah.
0: find out that that might bite you. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Absolutely right, Crowley.
1: So there's a big moment in the eighth inning that shows the baseball IQ of a guy like Dansby Swanson. If you're someone that just reads the box scores, you're gonna miss something like this, right? Brad Boxberger's on the mound. Cooper Hummer leads off with a double. The next batter, JP Crawford hit one that looked like he was gonna go up the middle. Swanson got it, but he fired to third to gun down Crawford. And and I thought that was just a brilliant play to get the lead runner and kind of, you know, give yourself a little breathing room there on that one. Asked about it after the game, David Ross That's why the guy wins gold gloves. Just very high baseball IQ.
0: High, super high. And you couldn't be, you couldn't be more right about the comment about if you didn't watch the game, you would not have picked up on that play. And that was one of a handful of really key plays in that game.
1: Absolutely. Ninth inning, Michael Fulmer came on to save it, but with one out, Jarek Kelnick, we're going to talk about him again. That guy has some pop. He crushed one off the right field scoreboard to tie the game. No doubter. I I had to put my W flag. I didn't take it. I just had it out of the bag, but I didn't have it out. (laughs) But I had to put my W flag back into the bag. And then that takes us to extra innings where Keegan Thompson is going to take the mound and Cal Riley would be the Manford man to start the inning at second, first extra inning game of the year. Keegan Thompson walked the first man he faced, never a good thing. Cooper Homo putting runners at first and second. But then J.B. Crawford attempted to bunt the runners over. This is another one that didn't show up in the box score. Patrick Wisdom made an incredible athletic kind of diving play on that bunt to get the first out of the inning, which I thought was big. Then Thompson walks Julio Rodriguez to load the bases. Please stop walking people, bullpen guys. Um, But Basile went out, but Keygun struck out Ty France. And then Cub Killer Eugenio Suarez at the plate. He grounds it to Patrick Wisdom, who steps on the bag. And the game is tied. No runs score. So in the bottom of the 10th, Nick Magical replaces Jan Gomes as the Manford man. Pitcher Matt Brash made a move to second, but I don't think he was expecting Magical to be on the move. He had no clue that Magical started running the second Brash lifted his legs. And it looked like Suarez was asleep at the switch because he was a little bit in and to the left of the bag. And so it took him a little while to get there. So he wasn't in a good position to receive the throw. So Magical made it safely. It was unbelievable.
0: Well, now the question is, and we argued about this on the Mully and Haw show, um, I agreed with Madrigal that he saw something. They saw something on the video and knew that uh, Brash, his move was super slow. And the other guys thought that they were just shocked that anybody would pull that kind of crap at that point. And that's why Madrigal was able to get from second to third in that situation.
1: I think the answer lies somewhere in between. I think you're okay. both right there because right. Magical, did, Magical, Magical did talk about watching video beforehand. And so he right. knew what he was looking for. And then at the same time, when Brash turned around, it, he was looking to throw it to second. It took him like he had to do a double take when he saw Magical, you know, halfway to third. And so that just threw everything off. And like I said, uh, even even Suarez was caught asleep at the switch so tucker barnhart's going to strike out with and with one out and a runner at third nico horner comes to the plate he flicks a single into right field little slider going away flicks it the other way just perfect cubs had their first walk-off win of the season nico had his first walk-off hit of his career cubs take game one three two and dustin like you were talking about earlier uh, w- totally unexpected they're playing go cubs go the fans are celebrating but the lights are doing this crazy strobe effect during the celebration. And then they made W's all around the ballpark in the lights. It was very cool.
0: Right now now they're saying light the W. Instead of fly the W, the nighttime, we're gonna say light the W.
1: Yeah, no podcast better take that title. So um, <laughs> af- after the game, Jan Gomes found a cowboy hat, which of course, just this is such a baseball thing. Supposedly finds a, a, a cowboy hat in the clubhouse Put it on Nico's head while he gave the postgame interview, indicating he was the new sheriff in town. But on the pitching side, like Smiley gave like up yep. Smiley gave up five innings pitch, gave up two hits, one run, one walk, seven Ks. Alzali lighter, Boxberger, uh, pitched scoreless relief. Fulmer was charged with the blown save, and Keegan Thompson gets the win for that gutsy performance in the 10th. The Cubs scored three runs on eight hits, no errors. Nico was the hero of the day, going three for five, game winning RBI. Eric Hosmer was two for three with an RBI, and Cody Bellinger one for four with an RBI. So the Cubs take game one. Fly that W. So we get to game two, and, and Dustin, you and I, we've been talking about this a lot, not wanting Masturbwani or Mancini to be playing in right field, and I was banging the drum hard for Nelson Velasquez.
0: Yes, you were. Did not
1: understand why that kid was not on the team, and next thing you know, he's called up from A. Javier Assad, we saw him struggle in two appearances that just really badly was sent down. Now, Velasquez didn't start on Monday. He came in at the very end of the game to play defense. But he was the starting lineup on Tuesday night, and good thing he was because he had himself one hell of a game. Yes, now, he did. Drew Smiley, like Drew Smiley the previous game, Hayden Wisniewski was looking to bounce back from a bad start. Unfortunately for Hayden, he had an even worse start. In the first, he gave up a one-out walk to Ty France, and then Cub killer Eugenio Suarez hit a two-run blast to put the Mariners up 2-0, but the wheels really came off in the second inning That's a combination of a lack of command, sloppy defense, and an umpire squeezing Hayden, resulting in the Mariners scoring five runs. Trey Mancini had a fielding error. Dansby Swanson had a throwing error. Hayden walked two batters and gave up three singles and six runs before David Ross mercifully pulled him after throwing 64 <laughs> pitches in one and a third inning. And it was the mercifully, worst possible, Mercifully, as you said. Mercifully. Say. Worst possible situation because Roth really needed some length out of Wesnitski after having to use five bullpen arms the night before. Michael Rucker came in, but I think he did a good job putting that fire out. I do want to show this. This is one of my favorite Twitter sites. It's called Ump Scorecards. Adrian Johnson was the umpire yesterday, and he was just awful. So the average MLB umpire is accurate 94% of the time and consistent 94% of the time. Adrian Johnson was four percentage points below average on accuracy and five percentage points behind consistency. Two of the three calls that were among the worst calls he made were against Hayden Wesniski. I'm not going to blame the umpire for Hayden not having great control, but when you're a young kid and maybe you don't have your best stuff, the last thing you need is an umpire who's not making good calls.
0: Right, you're right. And we had Tommy Hoddyby on today with and Hall on the score, and he just said the kid's just trying too hard. And, but walks will definitely doom you. There's no doubt about that.
1: Right. Now, the Cubs put, put up a run in the second on an RBI single by Jan Gomes to score Cody Bellinger. But it was the third inning when the Cubs offense erupted. So you have to imagine Cubs are down 7-1. to one, And all of a sudden, Dansby starts off the inning with a single. Ian Happ pops out. Trey Mancini hits his first Cub homer to make it 7-3. Seven to three. Wisdom walks Homer uh, Hosmer and Gomes single to load the bases for Nelson Velasquez. The Nelson Velasquez I have been complaining about for the last three weeks not being on this team. He hits a grand slam to the left field bleachers to put the Cubs ahead 8-7, and Wrigley was rocking. Cubs oh my, scored gosh, one was more. Oh my <laughs> gosh, was it rocking?
0: Oh my gosh, was it rock? Crawley, it was got to the point, and I'm I watch Bulls games because I need to watch Bulls games for work. I don't really watch the NBA unless it's the playoffs outside of the Bulls. I almost I almost turned on. There was a play-in game last night in the NBA between the uh, Heat and the Atlanta Hawks, and I almost went from the Cubs game to that. Thank goodness I didn't change the channel.
1: Well, Dustin, check out this one from Jordan Bastion talking about the third inning. 52 pitches, 13 batters, eight runs, eight hits, five singles, two homers, one grand slam, one double, one infield single, one walk, one hits batsman, and one stolen base. That and made a for one in a fun inning. <laughs> <laughs> what what a game! Not only that, Dansby had two singles in the same inning. Now same the inning, Cubs, yep. yeah, the Cubs would score two more times in the fifth, three more in the sixth. They would go on to win this game, 14 to nine. Little fun fact for you, the Cubs became the first MLB team since September 7th, 2001, to trail by seven runs by the second inning and lead by the end of the third. So that was amazing. But, you know, Dustin, I talked about Wrigley rocking um, with that grand slam by Nelson Velasquez. You know, a lot of people, a lot of fan bases want to lay claim to the best fans in whatever sport. This is, what, the ninth game of the season, in April, and you have the entire crowd rocking down 7-3. to three. The place is blowing up, and the fans are going nuts. Larry Hawley from WGN had video from a few blocks from Wrigley after the whole yeah, run. Yeah, that was
0: cool. That was and cool.
1: You could hear it from blocks away. There is no fan base better than the Chicago fan base, and I'm willing to put stake that claim with anybody there. Just so awesome to see the fans in it. And I think they all recognize something special is happening at the corner of 1060 West Addison.
0: Oh, Crowley, come on. You're not going to get an argument from me on this one. I'd like to argue with you, but no. I mean, that that video video was awesome. I, I saw that as well on Twitter. Uh, the place was rocking. I jumped off the couch. My kids were yelling and screaming. I texted my wife, who was picking up, uh, doing a pickup. I said, make sure you're, you know, turn on the radio really quick if you're not listening to the game. It was great. And the call, the, the call by Pat and Ron was unbelievable. Coomer did his inner Ric Flair and gave a,
1: woo! <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as the pitching for the Cubs, Hayden, like I said, 1.1 innings. He gave a five hit, seven runs. Only two were earned, four walks, one home run. Zero strikeouts is what I was concerned about, Dustin. You can have a bad game, but, you know, for a strikeout pitcher, that was rough. Um, Michael Rucker, Albert Alslein, Mark Leiter, and Julian Mayerweather all pitched in. They threw 7.2 innings, giving up five hits, two runs, zero walks, and eight Ks. But again, you had to really burn up the bullpen on that one after having to use them a lot the day before. On offense, the Cubs had 14 runs on 18 hits. How about this, Dustin? Nine for 16 with runners in scoring position.
0: Yeah, a stat that really uh, we, we harped on a ton in season one of this podcast.
1: Right. All 10 hitters reached base and nine out of 10 got a hit. Wisdom was hitless, but he drew two walks. Dansby was four for four with two RBIs, but in a scary moment, he pulled himself from the game before the start of the sixth inning. We know Dansby's an Iron Man who wants to play every single inning of every single game of the season. First report we got out of there was tightness on the left side, and the first thing I'm thinking is oblique. Uh, Cubs Nation's panicking, but after the game, Ross and later on Dansby explained that uh, if you heard the news, uh, Dansby's wife Mallory Swanson, she plays; she's a professional soccer player for the Chicago Red Stars and for the women's U.S. national team, and she had a devastating injury. She she had surgery on her knee. Uh, after an exhibition in Ireland to repair a torn patella, he had been up that day since 4 a.m. And, and you know, ballplayers have their routines. And I'm sure his whole, his, I mean, the fact that he was, you know, he had that air, I was surprised, but he was going four for four. But, you know, it, it kind of all makes sense after the game. So wishing, wishing the Swanson's the best.
0: Absolutely. But it was nerve wracking. Couldn't get any info off of Twitter, not getting any info off the broadcast, wondering what in the world was going on.
1: Right. Trey Mancini was two for five with three RBIs. Nico was two for four with two RBIs as well. Nelson Velasquez, star of the game, going three for four with a walk, a grand slam, and a double. Guess who was wearing the cowboy hat after the game? (laughs) Nelson Velasquez. Here's the thing, Dustin. That was the Cubs' third victory of 10 or more runs in 11 games. Remember we said the Cubs wouldn't have a lot of crooked numbers in offense. Right. Maybe we've got to change that narrative. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to change it. I'm happy for that trend to continue. So with winning the first two games, they obviously get the series win. They go for the sweep this afternoon. Game three Wrigley uh, was hot, not because of the weather necessarily, but because of that breaking news we talked about at the start of the podcast, Crowley.
1: Right. Breaks right before the game. Stroman's on the mound who gets people fired up anyway. And then the Cubs get off to an early start, bottom the first. Uh, Swanson, David Ross, very smart, giving him the day off, letting him rest. No big deal. You got another day off tomorrow. And so I'm, I was absolutely fine with that. Nico is short. Magical is playing second. And those guys are batting one-two. They get singles right away. Hat beats out a double play ball to put runners at the corners. And Cody Bellinger hit a sack fly to make it one-nothing. The Mariners are able to come back, though. They get to Strowman in the third inning. J.P. Crawford hit a leadoff double, the first extra base hit of the season given up by Stro. Julian Rodriguez flyed out, moving Crawford to third. Ty France walked, and Cubs killer Eugenio Suarez singled to tie up the game, followed by Your a guy. Teoscar. Your yeah, guy.
0: My guy. Your guy. You warned everybody. You I warned tried. everybody when we preview this
1: series. <laughs> he loves Cubs pitching. He feasts. Teoscar Hernandez singled to put the Mariners ahead 2-1. to one. The Cubs offense really struggled against Logan Gilbert, who's a really good pitcher, you know, give him kudos. But they couldn't get anything going after the first inning. Meanwhile, Brad Boxberger gave up a run in the seventh. Julian Weather gave up two back-to-back jacks in the eighth inning, including a 482-foot bomb to center off the bat of Jarrett Kelnick. He's the one that tied it up on Monday night in the ninth inning. That 489-foot home run was the longest home run in Wrigley, since the StatCast era started in 2015. So yeah, that was he, a monster. he
0: definitely, he, he, he crushed that ball, and then we <laughs> talked about it earlier. He hit one off the scoreboard, a uh, uh, little uh, Schwarber style, if you will.
1: Yeah, and so Stroman pitched six innings. He gave up two runs on five hits, two walks, six Ks. His quality start, Cubs had, offense had two runs on five hits. Bellinger was responsible for both runs, the sack fly in the first, and then, again, Cubs do nothing until the ninth inning when Bellinger hits a solo home run. So, you know what? Two out of three versus Seattle. You're talking about four out of six versus Seattle and Texas. So, I will take that meatloaf homestand any day of the week.
0: That's right. That's a double play to meatloaf, Crowley. No doubt about it. A meatloaf sandwich, if you will.